0: Uh, I'm sure most of you are aware, like, there's been pockets of revival that have been happening here and there around the country. A lot of it on co- college campuses, you know, like, there's a revival that broke out at Texas A&M. Guys, if it can happen at Texas A&M, it can happen <laughs> anywhere. Gig'em, God. Gig'em. So, I hope some of my family are listening to this sermon. They're A&M fans. <laughs> But uh, but here's what I've noticed, you know, it's not the same way every time. I love that. that. That's who God is. Like he works in an individual and personal way. And so that means we don't have to try to conjure anything. We don't have to try to make something, try to recreate anything. We can just be open and willing and desperate. But that desperation is key. And what I know is this, if God is going to move in revival, it's going to start with humility and surrender. It's going to start right in that space. And, uh, and I believe that he wants that to begin. It sounds a little bit like that thing in the Hunger Games <laughs> that would deliver the... Can you tell I'm a little bit... Distracted this morning? <laughs> How many of y'all know that there is freedom where the spirit of the Lord is, amen? And uh, that's what I want. I want freedom for you. This word this morning, there's two ways that you can take it. You can take it like Heisman, like, oh. Or you can take it like, I want freedom, Lord. Whatever you have for me, that's what I want. We're gonna start by reading the scripture together. So I want you all to stand up. How many of y'all know the word of God is powerful? We should, we should reverence, we should honor the word of God. And I think that sometimes we need to change our physical posture so our, our spiritual posture is ready. In Psalm 19, starting verse seven on the count of three, let's read this together, one, two, three. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing to the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Pause. How many of y'all know we all simple? We need wisdom from the Lord. We need wisdom from the Lord. Okay, keep going. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servants are warned. In keeping them there is great reward. You're thankful for the word of God. Let's give him a hand for that. And you can have a seat. A lot that I could preach on in that. I will say the fear of the Lord has been something that's just been resonating in me personally, but also just as a word for the body of Christ. Uh, we have become a culture that is so driven by the fear of man and what people think. And I just want to encourage you that if the fear of man is more dominant in your life, then your your reverence, your fear, and your conviction around a holy God, things are off track. But if you can get to that place where you just say, man, I just don't want to miss anything that God has for me, and I'm not going to let the fear of anything else keep me from getting everything that he has, it's going to be amazing. But in there, it talks about how his commands, his word, are more precious than gold, more precious than gold. There's a few shows I like to watch uh, uh, some of them are on the Discovery Channel. One of the shows I like to watch is called Gold Rush. And uh, and I'm not going to say it's a family show. They cuss a lot in that show. Like, there's a lot of cussing. Like, those, like gold miners cuss like sailors. Like, they, they will just, they bleep a lot of it, but but there's a lot of language in there. But if you've ever watched this show, basically, it's these people up in, in Canada and Alaska, and they're gold miners. And, and there's this huge process and all this work that goes into them finding the gold, like, you know, hundreds of million cubic tons of dirt that has to be removed, sometimes to fine, just a few ounces of gold. And at the end of each one of these shows, they have the gold way, the gold way, you know, and so they, you know, like, everybody gathers around, it's like all this work that they did all week, and and then they pour this gold into this pan, and it's like, it's pretty impressive to see, like, a pile of gold in a pan, and you realize you know, how much work went into them getting that. But, but here's the thing, they call it gold fever because even as they're prospecting, like they just find a, little, a few little flakes of gold in a pan. It's like, that's it, that's it. We're gonna be rich. And once you see those few flakes of gold, it's like, then you're like addicted to it. Like, man, we, we're gonna get this and we're gonna, we're gonna be rich and we're never gonna have to work again. There's 13 seasons of that show. So they haven't arrived yet. But the fact of the matter is the riches of this world will always be like that. How much is enough? A little bit more. But when you understand where the real riches are, when you understand how precious the word of God is, That you submit yourself to its standard and to its commands, and you desire that man, that's where you find real wealth. That's where you're satisfied and fulfilled. So, in Psalm 19, it says that we should have gold fever about the word of God. Gold fever. I believe that God wants to set some people free. And I think that this message, if you'll receive it to your heart, is going to bring some of that free. My prayer would be that we would have revival around the subject of our finances. Last week, I mentioned that I can talk to y'all about a lot of different things. I can talk to you about marriage. I can talk to you about sin. I can talk to you about different subjects. And you might be a little bit on edge, but nobody begins to get more uptight than when I start talking about money and finances. It's like on that subject specifically, there is a no trespassing sign that has the addendum of all violators will be shot on sight. Like that, that's how it feels sometimes. And I understand why. If any of us feel that way, it's probably because there's not total trust in God for it and about it. I understand why some of these things happen. We've been in this series called Humans, and I've just tried to keep it real. And I've tried to just give you some hard-hitting truths wrapped in the character and grace of Christ. Because that's what the word should be. It should be something that hits deep, that separates flesh from spirit. But it's all about healing and wholeness. 77% 77% of Americans say that they're experiencing anxiety around the subject of money, like severe mental anxiety. 78% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. So we've got to have a biblical talk here. We need God to give us some gold fever around biblical finances and the principles of the word. We've got to get to a place where we don't have offense and fear about money, but we've got tons of faith and trust in God's ability. The truth is finances are Jesus' most talked about subject out of his 39 parables, 11 of them are on money. Money is talked about 2,500 times in the word of God. Why? Because God loves us and wants us to walk in freedom, fully equipped for everything that he has for us. He wants us to be able to relax under his covering and under his blessings. God wants to bless you. He's got promises for you. But you have to know this, his promises have premises. So if you want to experience the promises and the blessings, you have to know the premise that he sets forth. It would not be loving, it would not be caring of God to give us the blessings without us understanding and having a conviction of the premise that he sets up right here in his word. Luke 16, 11 says this. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? What are the true riches? The true riches are not of this world. The true riches are eternal. They're supernatural. It's the things of the spirit. It's the things that, that God has established before the foundation of the earth that are gonna be in his kingdom forever. Those are the true riches. And so what Jesus is saying right here is saying is if I can't talk to you, about your worldly money, then it's gonna be hard for me to talk to you about anything else. If you want me to talk to you about my blessings and my promises and the things that are eternal that are gonna change and shake and transform your life, I've gotta be able to talk to you about your possessions, about your money. The problem is we live in a culture of instant gratification. We live in a culture where it's like, man, If I want something, I can just get it right now. But here's what you have to understand. If there is no delay from what I want to when I have it, then you will wind up feeding your flesh. If there is no space or delay from what you would deem as something that you even need, that you crave, if there's no space between that and and waiting for when you might actually receive it, if it's God's will, then you are ultimately feeding your sin nature. And that is a monster that will grow in your life. It'll consume everything. One of our campus pastors, he was searching through some of his dad's things. His dad passed away a couple years ago. And at the bottom of this, this box, he found a 1902 Sears robot catalog right? Which is pretty cool. I don't know why his dad had a Sears catalog from 1902, unless he's a time traveler or something like that. But but it was really interesting. As we look through this catalog, y'all, they lived in a different world than we live in. Like, there's some there's some funny stuff in there. Like, they're trying to sell rifles to six-year-olds in this catalog, right? And, and, and it was like normal. It's like, yeah, every six-year-old should have a high-powered rifle. Clearly, how else will they become a man, you know? But here, here's some of the, 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 the different things that are in this catalog. They, they were selling a pill. This pill will cure weakness and passivity in men. That's the advertisement for the pill. So don't worry, I ordered a case. And <laughs> I got you. And just finish your coffee this morning and all else will follow. I'm joking, I didn't put it in your coffee. There's another advertisement for this tent. And really the reason why they're selling this tent is they just basically say like, if you fall on hard times, we got you. Like you can't afford a house, we have a tent house for you. And the funny thing is like, people were buying these things. Like, okay, yeah, this is a fine alternative to an actual house, right? But they would sell that. There's another thing. Uh, they had the, the, the best cure for headaches. The best cure for headaches Ever invented, but when you read into it, you find out it 's heroin <laughs> so so thankfully we 've learned that there's some adverse effects, but i 'm like, yeah, I bet your headache was gone. <laughs> no doubt you didn 't feel anything this one the picture is a little bit weird, okay, but it 's hilarious to me. The huddleberg eighty volts electric belt for men okay, guaranteed to cure. Laziness. That's what that's the advertisement for it. So, so now now listen, ladies, if any of you are thinking you'd like to buy that for your husband so he get his button gear, I would refer you back to a talk we had a couple of weeks ago about relationships and earning influence with your spouse. But on all these things, you can take that off. That's been up there way too long, I think. That's a belt on all these things, it says, just give four to six months for delivery. So that, that's the way they live life. You know? It's like you order something, and when four months comes around, just go down the road and see if today's going to be the day. <laughs> you know. But the funny thing is that they even have things like, if your coal furnace went out this winter, don't fret. You can have another one by next winter. But if it's the middle of winter, it's basically saying, suck it up, buttercup. You're going to have to wait through winter to get a new one. But now, oh, oh, Amazon, you said my order would be here today. When did you order? it? Last night. It came from across the country. I don't care. We'll lose it. I need that. So much. Got to have it. And the problem with instant gratification as a culture is it produces debt. That's what it's produced. So inflation, depending on who you asked this last year, six, eight, maybe 10%. The problem is the average debt per American went up 14%. So debt is outpacing inflation. And it just keeps compiling. I don't even remember the crazy amount of consumer debt that we have in our nation but it is a trap It will hold your life. Some of you feel the weight of it even now as you're sitting in your chair. And what you have to understand is there's this theological distinctive for, for God's people. Okay, so if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and savior, then you've understood that you're one of God's people. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and savior, you're still his child. You just have to come to the realization that you're his child. And you'll have an opportunity to do that today. But there is this distinctive for God's people that we have been given this divine ability and mandate to be able to wait. And it started at the very beginning. In the, in the garden, after Adam and Eve had sinned, there was a promise that a savior would come that would trample on the head of the serpent. But throughout the whole Old Testament, guess what they had to do? Wait. They had to wait. So then Jesus shows up. He fulfills the law, establishes a new covenant. He dies on the cross for our sin. He raises from the grave and ascends to heaven. And he says, I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back. It's gonna be like a thief in the night. Stay ready. Stay ready. But what do we have to do? Wait, wait, why? Because it's in waiting that true relationship is refined. It's in the waiting, the intimacy with your God is tested and made true. And if we never had to wait in the process, if we never had to wait in the storms, if we never had to wait in the struggle, if we never had to wait, then our relationship with God would be this deep and it wouldn't be loving for him to do that. It's waiting and trusting him that gives us the kind of relationship, the kind of conviction that it takes to have real relationship with the Lord. You don't need everything in your hand the second after you want it. And some of us got to teach our kids that too. So around finances, how do you know when you're in real trouble. First of all, you're delaying payments or paying the minimum due, that's an indicator. When all I can do is pay the minimum, something's got to change and fast. Romans 13 says, let no debt remain outstanding. That's a sign that you probably need to sit down and have a talk with somebody. Somebody who can give you some wisdom around it. At one point or another, you're gonna have to be real and say, you know what, I'm not great at finances. I'm not great at finances. And what I would venture to say is, whoever you tell that, they're not gonna be surprised. They'll be like, yeah, we know. It's pretty obvious. They're not gonna be shocked. Another indicator you're in trouble, unable to tithe or save. Proverbs 21, 20. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. I love the good news translation on this. It says, stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. I like that translation just because I like saying stupid. I don't know, I just do. Sometimes it just need that word. If you're a kid in here, don't use that word, but it's your fault your parents brought you in here. This is a PG-13 sermon, okay? If you're not saving any money, if you're not tithing, you're not able to give, then you're spending too much. You're in deficit spending and you've got to have a radical overhaul of how you're looking at money. Another indicator you're in trouble, looking for get rich ideas. Get rich quick ideas is what it should say. The Bible says over and over again when you run after get rich quick schemes, you're going to be in trouble. In Proverbs 21 5, it says, Steady plotting brings prosperity, hasty speculation brings poverty. Ecclesiastes 5 7, dreaming instead of doing is foolishness. You have to know this. You can have a dream in your heart of something, an idea, maybe even a business idea that God has given you. But if it is from God, every dream that you have that doesn't have sweat attached to it is only gonna be a fantasy and it's probably not from God. Because God will give us dreams that we have to ultimately trust him for, but he's interested in us cultivating that trust by doing and working. If you want a harvest to come, you get out and plow the field and plant the seed. And then you trust God to bring the rain and to bring the harvest. But if you're going to truly trust, there's action involved in trust. There's action involved in it. But it's so easy to fall prey to this, like daydreaming. Look, I'm just telling you, like, I, I get it. Like, I, I'm sure a lot of us, like, man, to win the lottery, that would be amazing. I'm still believing and praying that a member of New Life Church is gonna win the Powerball lottery. I'm believing that. And even though I might question some of their idea and thinking around the lottery, I'm praying they have a strong conviction around tithing in Jesus' name. (laughs) Like, come on. So every Christmas, we buy a puzzle. And that's kind of one of the things we do over Christmas break, put together a puzzle. Uh, Really, Cody wants to put together puzzles. And the rest of the family will join her. And I'm supportive, and I love my wife, and so I'm right there. I'm like, "Come on, let's do a puzzle." I love them, and uh, so. But this year, she brought this puzzle. You can get this puzzle from Amazon. It is a QR code. That's the puzzle. The puzzle is a QR code, and there's no picture of the QR code. So you just get these pieces, hundreds of them, and you just kind of just start guessing. Start working on this thing, you know? It's the hardest puzzle ever created. But here's the thing the reason why it's a QR code is because it is guaranteed, every puzzle is guaranteed to be a winner. And when you finish it and you scan it, it will tell you how much you win. And the prizes are from $1 to a million dollars. But if you're missing even one piece, the QR code won't work. So most of us, we are doomed to start with because we got kids <laughs> or pets. And, and almost every year when we do these puzzles around Christmas, every fruit of the spirit is tested in me by the time we get done because we get done and there are always pieces missing. And I'm like, if I, if I am gonna waste hours of my life on this puzzle we are gonna finish this thing. Like We will turn that house upside down, okay? So we had this QR puzzle and I wanna tell you, we worked on it for an hour at least and then we gave up, <laughs> we're just like, not doing it. <laughs> we're, we are not smart enough for this. But I have a friend, they're smart and they finished it. But, but it took them 80 hours, 80 hours. They got done, they were missing three pieces. So they started tearing the house up. You can imagine, like, they, like, like people possessed, right? They, they, so they wind up, the, the wife winds up digging through the vacuum cleaner bag and found the pieces because kids are so helpful when they clean the house, you know? And, and so they're able to put this together. It's just like, you can imagine this moment. It's like, the, you know around this, you're already dreaming. Like, well, what does I do with a million dollars, you know? I thought about that too. It's like, man, I buy a brand new truck. You know, I tithe, I tithe first. (laughs) First fruits, Lord. Man, that would be fun. Oh, that would be so fun. Mm, That would be a blast. But then you start thinking, it's like, yeah, because I deserve a truck. I've lived a hard life. My life has been hard. I do a lot of things without money. They're standing there get out their phone, Kids standing around, scan it. Oh, my goodness. They're like, what, what? We won $1. $1. $1. Think of it. That is a brilliant idea. That's a brilliant idea. Because, I mean, you can't have false advertising. So there's one of those codes out there that is going to be worth a million dollars. They probably just hadn't made it yet. They hadn't put it in a box. They haven't sent it out yet. (laughs) In the meantime, everybody's buying these puzzles. Oh, we are idiots. that stuff just doesn't work out. We all have that one family member. They've always got this next idea. It's like, hey, I got something you can invest in. I got something I want you to like, hey, I know we haven't talked in years, but I'd really like to get this idea. I'd like you to be involved and do this thing. And it's like, man, I'm just like this close to my major breakthrough with this thing. It's gonna happen. My ship is coming in. No, your ship's not coming in. You're gonna have to put on some work clothes and swim out to that ship. It's gonna take some work. It's not just gonna come in. You're gonna have to work for it. Some things that will give you freedom. First of all, financial freedom starts with self-surrender. Self-surrender. With your physical body, your core strength really is everything. You know, uh, if, if you're ever at the gym I, I, and you see these guys, that, man, they've got like more muscles than you knew actually were supposed to be on a human being. And, you know, they're over there. And, and, and I've told you this before, like every once in a while I see those guys, just like these huge guys. I just want to walk over and just tap them on the shoulder and be like, you did it, man. You made it. There is nothing else that you can do here. You, you've, you've created muscles that aren't even supposed to be on your body. You made it, man. You can go home. The rest of us, we're going to stay because we haven't done it. But you have. So good job. But the fact is a lot of those guys, they never work their core. Ever, ever. So I can't tell you how many of those guys that when they start lifting heavy weight or if they, you know, CrossFit or whatever, man, they start having major back issues because everything is meant, physically, everything's meant to come from your core. Sports, same thing. Any, any baseball coach, football coach, anybody like that, it doesn't matter how big and strong they are, man, if they don't have a strong core, they're gonna get taken out. They're gonna get hurt. This idea of self-surrender is your core strength when it comes to financial freedom. Everything's gonna build from this. It's a fundamental way that you have to look at finances because your outlook will de- develop and determine your personality around money. It says this in Matthew 6, 22, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, the Greek word, that word healthy in the Greek is the same word for generous. So you could just replace that. If your eyes are generous, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, the Greek word there is the word stingy. But if your eyes are stingy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? To have a biblical outlook on finance, the way I look at money, the money that's in my hands, the possessions that I have, it'll affect everything. And the thing about money is you're either going to be telling it where to go and what to do, or it's gonna be telling you and ordering you around on what you do. And what I've learned is this, you can learn, listen to an audiobook on finances, you can go to a financial advisor, you can have all the world's wisdom on the subject. But you must get this one thing first. If this isn't in your notes, you need to write it down. God is the source. God is the source. And when God is the source, you won't be owned by the resources. When God is the source, then you understand everything comes from him. Well, the problem is we are selfish and we are born with this. Like the moment a baby comes out of the womb, one of the first things that they'll start demonstrating is the concept of mine, mine. Like I promise you, if you go back into little life right now, i promise you, 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 you those, those, those teachers, those leaders, they do an amazing job, but you, you, you can't help but struggle with this inherent thing to be selfish and have what's yours, is mine. You know, so you'll see, but you go walking, two kids arguing, fighting over a toy that belongs to the church, but they decided when they showed up this morning, no, that toy is mine, but then somebody else feels stronger about the fact that it's theirs, so they'll fight, and this doesn't change as we get older. I've got kids. I get it. This has probably happened to some of you guys sitting around your house, just hanging out, you know, and you got one of your kids over there, and they're holding Package of Oreos. You go over there and say, hey, can I have a couple of your Oreos? No, they're mine. Really? That's, that's an interesting perspective. Where are you right now? Oh, in the living room? Hmm, it's a nice couch that you're sitting on. Where is the living room? In the house. Right. Do you know where all of this comes from? Give me those Oreos. (laughs) But that's not even right. No. Everything in our home comes from God all of it. I would not have, and none of you would have the ability to make money without God. It is all his. 100% it's God. And at one point or another, spiritual maturity will cause you to shed the selfish skin that you're born with you can step into what God has for you. I've got to surrender my finances to Jesus because they're his anyway. Psalm 50:10 says this, "But every animal of the forest is say it together. and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and every and all the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for the world is and all that is in it. It's all God's, I'm just house-sitting for him. That's it, that's it. Self-surrender means I know it's God's and I'm just a steward of it. If I become self-centered, I'm off-center. And when I'm in that place, that's where offense, fear, frustration, happiness, insecurity comes from. And that's where most of the uh, fights in marriage come from. When we get self-centered and we're not surrendered to the Lord with everything that we have. There's gotta be a fundamental change in your idea of ownership and understand it's God's. Number two, financial freedom is maintained with self-discipline. So self-discipline can only come after self-surrender because until you have that fundamental conviction that it's already God's, then it will be difficult for you to implement the practical disciplines after that. You'll be at war inside of yourself all the time because as long as you think that you're in charge of all those things, then your physical application of disciplines to try to get healthy won't ultimately work because you'll be at war within yourself and you'll be caught in a cycle that's crazy. But you have to know this, this will help. This conviction can help. Uh, If you're raising kids, you have to know that you're teaching your kids on finances right now because they are watching. They pick up on your financial habits. So this isn't just about you. It's your legacy as well. The people closest to us are going to breathe in our financial habits like secondhand smoke. It's going to affect them. So what are some of these disciplines that we need? Well, I want to say this. They are not always easy to swallow. They are difficult. They are painful at times. Uh, My wife, Cody, she's a great cook. She likes uh, to sneak spinach into everything that we eat. She will, like, if you're gonna come to our house for tacos, you just need to understand that the meat that goes into that taco is gonna be about 60% meat and 40% spinach. She cooks it into everything. She And, and not always, she's not good at hiding it very well most of the time, you know? And so it's always in there and I can always taste it, but I'm, I just, I'm very thankful and I want my kids to not complain either, so I just keep eating it. And my kids, I don't know if they taste it or not, but I taste it. I taste it. And the thing about spinach is spinach has cousins and they all taste the same. I don't like any of them, and she tries to sneak them into everything. Cauliflower, all that stuff, she tries to sneak it into everything that we eat. It's always there. And 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 so here's the thing though: the reason why. Cody does that. Well, I'll break it into two categories. One, the reason why she does that for me is because she wants to squeeze every day out of my life that she can. Every day and every dollar. She wants me to be able to be here until Jesus comes back. And so she wants to make sure that I stay healthy. But she also wants to make sure that our kids are healthy. And there's tons of vitamins and minerals and all these things. They're in all those vegetables. What I've learned is Cody doesn't care about whether we like it or not. She cares about the result. Financially, you're not gonna like all the principles that the word of God lays out, but you have to care more about your character than the comfort you're constantly trying to buy because God is infinitely more concerned with that in you as well. So here's some spinach and some of their cousins for you. First of all, you gotta work hard. Work hard. Proverbs 14.23, good news translation. Work and you will earn a living. If you sit around talking, you will be poor. Pretty easy. Ecclesiastes 9:10, work hard at whatever you do. So I'm gonna say something right now that will, will more than likely offend a few of you in this room. And I want you to know I don't care Uh, because here's the deal. I believe that this idea of participation trophies has bred complacency and entitlement in an entire generation, and it is crippling our nation. Don't clap. Don't clap. No. No, because you're clapping in your flesh. There's plenty of other preaching you could have clapped to. You don't get to with this one, all right? Just because I'm spitting truth up here doesn't mean that you get to be like, yeah, boy. (laughs) We can just be mature and know that's true. And we also have to take personal responsibility where we've facilitated it. And more than likely, almost everybody in here, we're guilty of it on some level. There's a friend of mine, his son's baseball team, uh, a few years ago, they lost every single game. Like, they got run-ruled pretty much every game. None of the kids on that team ever got up to bat more than twice, okay? That's not a good team. And they lost every game, but at the end of the year, a couple of the parents decided that they were going to go together and buy trophies for everybody on the team. So they went and they bought, like, nice trophies, like trophies that were, like, half as big as the kids themselves. And my friend, because he's a man of God, As soon as they left the field and they were walking out towards their car across the parking lot, he pointed over at a dumpster and he said, son, go throw that trophy in that dumpster. And some of y'all are so ticked off right now. You know what that son said? Yes, sir. He's like, do you understand why we're gonna throw that trophy away? Because I didn't earn it, dad. And our team didn't earn it. Maybe we worked hard, but we didn't earn wins to get a trophy. And I don't, I don't want to be somebody that gets rewarded when we didn't work hard and we didn't earn it. Come on now. And that is hard and that is difficult, but that is a word of God. And if you really love somebody, they're going to understand that too. You can think it is loving and caring by giving people rewards and, and, and giving people things when they didn't earn it, they didn't work hard, but it is not love. It's abuse. It's actually, it's paralyzing them. to reach their their full potential in the Lord. Okay, I'm off that soapbox. But it's true. Listen, we are men and women of God that are trying to raise men and women of God. We're not looking for free trophies. We are looking to be salt and light in a lost and dying world. That means we show up early, we work hard, we take on responsibility, we give our best, we empty the tank. We do what no one else wants to do and we have a great attitude while we're doing it. Let's make a streak of that kind of lifestyle for a while. You can clap now, that's that's good. One of the values we're working on with our kids and we haven't gotten there yet is as a family, we do hard things. Because if we can teach our kids to do hard things now, they'll always have a job. They'll always have a job. And the problem right now, Easy Street has a major traffic jam. Everybody's trying to get on that road. Another thing, get good at killing foxes. Get good at killing foxes. What am I talking about? Song of Solomon, 215. Catch us the foxes. It's the little foxes that spoil the vines. What this is saying is it's the little things that add up that ultimately destroy things around your life. Okay? I have to be totally honest. These are some things that we are working on. We have not perfected this because how many of y'all know it can be a slippery slope? But here's some things that you should write down. Check all subscriptions on your phone, Amazon Prime, games, all these things. Before you know it, it, it do it once a quarter. Before you know it, it's gonna be like a treasure hunt every quarter because you're gonna get in there, look at your credit card statements, look at all these things where you have all these subscriptions. Before you know it, it's like $2 here, $3 there, $4 there, here, there, there. Okay, I guess now we can... Buy a car. We can get out of some debt. We can pay some stuff off. Be aware of all those things. Look at it from time to time. Put hard limits on mindless spending. I don't know what the mindless spending is around you. I know what it is for me. Sweet drinks. Sweet drinks. Caffeine. Because every human needs 600 milligrams of caffeine a day. Right? No, we don't. No, we don't. You don't. You don't need two shots and some diabetes five times a day. Don't do it. Set some hard limits. Guardrails. Uh, break unbecoming habits. Unbecoming habits. Okay, another way, that's like a nice way to say it. There's some habits that are just not godly. They're not good for you. They don't help you live above reproach. If you go to any addiction recovery place, like our M18 uh, or John 3 16, these people, when they finally break these habits, they break these addictions. It's like, I never realized how much money I could have. They get like an automatic raise. It's like, I wasn't really actually struggling financially. I was just spending so much money on all these habits, it was killing me. It could transform your life alcohol, drugs, food, gambling, habits that become idols will always rob you of worship. And while they've got you with your hands up, they're digging through your pockets, taking all your money. They become idols. So another thing, get a food plan. Okay, this is a place where it's like, oh, it's hard to do it. We got four kids and they're teenagers or preteens. It is embarrassing how much we spend on food around our house. Uh, and I think what's made it more complicated is how easy it is. If DoorDash or grocery delivery did not exist, some of your kids could actually go to college because it can get out of hand quick. So get a food plan, like this is what we're gonna do. Uh, Last thing, pay your bills on time. Avoid all late charges. Avoid late charges, it's eating you up. Some practical things there. Another principle, discipline, pay your future. Pay your future self. You need to have a savings account. You need to honor who you will be in the future. I think God wants you to pay your future before you pay your now because he wants you to have vision. As long as you're only just paying for your now and you can't have savings for your future, you won't be able to dream. And it's the difference between being able to live life at 30,000 feet versus being on the ground and having to dodge stuff all the time. Life will come at you so quick, it'll be overwhelming. That's where you're gonna get stressed and anxious. So if you can't have savings or if you can't tithe, if you can't give, you're spending too much. You have deficit spending. And as long as that's happening, you won't have vision for your life. It won't be something, it won't be an area where God is like, I can trust them to give them some vision over here. It'll cripple you, it'll cripple you. You've gotta be able to start saving. Proverbs 6.6, 6, go to the ants, you sluggard. Okay, this is the word, okay? I'm not calling you sluggards, maybe the word is. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores up its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Proverbs 21.20, The wise store up choice foods and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Get to a place where you're saving. Even if you just start with a little bit, just a little bit, start making the sacrifices now, and it'll start paying rewards. Last thing financial freedom reigns when I'm generous. It reigns when I'm generous. Proverbs eleven twenty four. 24, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. And when it's talking about your world getting larger and larger, it's saying it's not just talking about the natural world. It's saying, no, you have vision for the kingdom of God. You have vision for eternity. Your world is limitless because you're living under a limitless God who's blessing your limits with his limitless. He's gonna take care of you, generosity. And I just wanna let you know, I didn't learn generosity from rich people. I've shared some of my testimony, but I learned generosity growing up being poor, (laughs) not having, and it wasn't always, but certainly in seasons of my life and so, I've shared some of my testimony and I'm not sharing anything my parents wouldn't get up here and tell you as a testimony of their life. But when I was younger, three or four, my dad was in an auto pedestrian accident where he almost died. I mean, he shouldn't be alive. He shouldn't be walking. He does, but he just has pain, but he was disabled. And out of that, because of the man who was at fault, who was trying to buckle his seatbelt while eating a sandwich and drove off the road at 60 miles an hour and hit my dad, We got a settlement. And in 1983, it was a significant amount of money. It was a lot of money. The biggest mistake, and my parents would tell you this, so I'm not saying anything that would dishonor them, the biggest mistake they ever made is they didn't tithe first. They didn't tithe first. And then they invested all that money with a friend and that friend lost it all. So that was the beginning and a catalyst for the financial struggles that we would have. And ultimately, some of those things added to the dynamics that led to my parents' divorce. Uh, But as a result of that, there were years of my life where I I was homeless and lived out of a bag and stayed in other people's homes. I stayed in a classroom at a church for a few months. But here's what my parents did do. Throughout all those years, no matter what, I saw them demonstrate over and over and over again, generosity. Even when we were the people that didn't have anything, we would still give to those who needed. We'd give money, we'd give resources, we'd give our time. We just served people. We did the best we could. And because of that, God always took care of us like we had what we need even being homeless, I still knew that God was taking care of me. I learned that. And it was important that I learned that because when Cody and I got married, we were poor. We could not afford the R we were that poor. And when I first started working in ministry, they were paying me $600 a month. And we just got married. So Cody got a job pretty quick, but we we still... We were living 45 minutes out of town because we found a place that would let us stay there for free. But we're paying a lot of money on gas because we live 45 minutes out of town. Our cars were breaking down all the time. Cody's car, her shocks and struts were so bad on her car that when we drive down these dirt roads that had some washboard, there's a sensor that if the car get jostled hard enough, it would think that you're in a wreck. And the car just shut down. So there's this reset button that you had to get to behind the wheel well in the back of the car, like through the trunk. So she'd be driving and she'd get on these washboards and her car would just turn off. So she'd pull over, get back, go in the truck, push the button, get back in the car, drive five minutes down the road, hitting more washboards and shut her down. All of us have our own stories of things that we had to go through where maybe we didn't have a lot. But I wanna tell you this, and this is not, arrogance. This is not pride. This is by the grace of God. We've been together for over 20 years and we have always, every time, tithes and given above and beyond our tithes. We just give. We give. And I want to tell you this. I don't regret giving one cent of it because over these years, we have seen how our world has expanded. We have seen the kingdom of God Expand. We've seen God move. We've seen him move in other people's lives and we've seen him move in our lives in ways that just doesn't make sense. It's only him that could do something like that. And it is a blast living that way. And we don't give like that because we're pastors. We give like that because we've been given so much by our heavenly father. It's a conviction in our hearts. We're gonna do this no matter what. We just try to be generous, we give. We have single ladies in this church that are on fixed incomes and they're some of the most faithful tithers in our church. We have people that live way like almost at the poverty level but they still give and they still tithe. They trust God and God always provides. So some of you, you're acing this, keep on. Don't become weary in doing well. Some of you have gotten a little bit erratic, maybe. Just get with God today. Some of you, you need to take the next step of surrender. I'm just going to trust you, Lord. The word says you can trust God. You can test God. He'll show up. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. God moves where there's humility and surrender. God moves where there's humility and surrender. I think this part, you know, the the, the medium income household income in Cabot is the highest of any city in the state. We're blessed. The fact that the matter is though, even if that wasn't true, God picked you to be born in the most prosperous nation on the planet. So even the most broke person in this place is wealthier than 98% of the world's population. Just by the fact that God chose you and picked you to be born in this place, in this country. So those are the realities. But you know what God wants? Not your money. He wants your heart. He wants your heart and where it has to start is surrender to his Lordship, surrender to Jesus. It's gotta start there. It's gotta start there. That's his number one priority. Have you surrendered your life to him? It starts in a place of surrender and humility. And if you're here and you would be willing to just be humble enough to admit it like, I haven't, I'm not totally surrendered to the Lord. Like the finance part, that'll come. And I I know the Lord will move in that, but what he wants most of all right now is he just wants you to know that he sees you, he loves you, he desperately wants to have a personal relationship with you. But you've gotta be willing to surrender. You gotta be humble enough to say, yeah, I'm away from him and I need him. And if you're here and you're in that place, the Holy Spirit's already speaking to you. He's always putting this conviction like, I love you. I'm always here, I've always been here, but I'm ready for you to come home. The word says the only way that we can come to the Father is through the Son. It says, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you can be saved. Why do we need that? Because we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. And it's only through a perfect sacrifice through Jesus, paying the price for our sin that we can have relationship with him. Every one of us has to have that. None of us are good enough to not need that. We've got to believe it. We've got to surrender to it. And I'd love to pray with anybody that knows you need that. Maybe you're just in a place where you thought you were in a relationship with the Lord, but you right now, man, you don't have any sense of his presence. There's no joy, there's no hope, there's no peace. And maybe at minimum, you need to come back to him. You need to rededicate your life to him. And if you're in that place or in those places, I wanna pray with you. Will you be willing to be humble enough to admit that that's you? I'm gonna ask you, to put your hand up right now. As soon as I see your hand and I make eye contact with you, you can put your hand down. I need Jesus. I'm ready to surrender to him as my Lord and Savior. Thank you. Anyone else? I need Jesus. I'm ready to give my life to him. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? I'm away from Jesus. I'm ready to surrender him. Thanks, bro. Respect that, man. God's gonna honor it. Anyone else? I need Jesus. I'm ready to surrender to him as my Lord and Savior. Got it. Got you, bro. Anyone else? Thank you, guys. Anyone else? I'm ready to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Surrender my life to him. Okay. I got you. Yes. Right there. Anyone else ready to call on Jesus? Ready to call on Jesus? Christians, I hope you're praying right now. This is the most important decision anybody can make. Thank you, got it. Anyone else? Thank you. Yes, ma'am, thank you. so good, Father. He loves you. He loves you. He knows exactly what you did. He knows exactly what you did, and He loves you still. No, you're not beyond His grace. No, you're not beyond His forgiveness. The price that He paid is more than enough. Even for that thing. Even for that. I know it's embarrassing. I know you feel shame. I know you feel guilt. Give it to him right now. Give it to him right now. He's ready to take it. Anyone else? I need to surrender to him. Thank you, sir. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? Just want to pray with those that raised raise their hand. There might be some of you that you didn't, but you know you needed to. It's not raising your hand that gets you saved. It's just an act of your will, just admitting it, and just opens you, opens your faith to receive. I want to pray for you. And I encourage you, just you can say this prayer loud enough for your own ears to hear it. At one point or another, you've got to declare that you made a decision. Declare that you're going to follow Jesus. We're gonna have water baptism right after the service. That's the symbol that Christ gave us to symbolize that we're committed. We're gonna make a covenant to live for Jesus. So you can make the decision in your heart right there in your chair, but your your decision, it, it can be personal, but you're never meant to have a lifestyle that's private as a Christian. Your lifestyle should be evident to the world around you. And it starts with you declaring that you're a Christ follower. Well, let's just talk to him right there in your chair. If you raise your hand, just say, Jesus, I need you because I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I believe that you came Jesus and you died on the cross for my sin. I don't understand everything about you. I don't understand how you can love like that, but I choose right now to accept it. I just accept it. I believe it. I believe also that you rose from the grave. And when you did, You defeated sin, so I can walk in freedom. I know I'm still gonna make mistakes, but but every day I can become more and more like you. And I thank you for that. And I thank you that because you rose from the grave, that death itself is defeated. So I, I as a Christ follower, there's no such thing as death because I have the hope of heaven. I'm gonna spend eternity with you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus. I wanna live my life for you. And I can't do that if I'm in control. I know you have to be Lord. So right now I repent. I turn away from living for myself, living the way the world would want me to live. And I wanna live for you according to your word. Thank you for giving me grace, wisdom, leading me by your Holy Spirit so I can live for you the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen. Amen.